Well, hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. If we have not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Del Gallo. I serve as the Connections Pastor here on staff, and it is so, so good that we can worship together on site, online, and even for those watching later on demand as well. Well, if you are a guest here, we are so thrilled that you are here. And maybe uh, maybe you've just uh, joined in for a few times. And either way, if you're a guest, we are so thrilled that you are here. And in fact, I want to encourage you right now to reach in the seat back in front of you and to grab the blue connection card. And you can fill that information out. And at the end of the service, you can turn it into the offering boxes as you leave. Or you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest, and you can submit a connection card there as well. Well, whether you submit a connection card digitally or here in person, two things are going to happen. One, I would love to personally follow up with you and thank you for joining in with us this morning. And the second thing is on behalf of Faithbrook, we would like to make a $5 donation to Feed My Starving Children anonymously just on your behalf. And this is just something that we do every week to celebrate you joining in. And we love it when guests join in and worship with us. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, today we're continuing our summer series called Summer on the Mount. So in just a few moments, we're going to welcome back our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he delivers the sermon this morning. Well, how many of you are Costco members? Can I see a hand? Anybody appreciate Costco? I don't go to Costco too often, but sometimes I'm dragged there. And when I walk into that place, all of a sudden, my consumer desires start rising. It's just amazing that warehouse full of all this merchandise. Now, the first thing I know is when I walk into these spectacular big screen TVs, and pretty soon it was like, oh, that would look so nice. Wasn't just a couple of years ago I was satisfied with my 47-year-inch large screen TV, but this one's 72. Ooh. We walk a little bit farther, and this is, wow, you see that new furniture, that new sectional and bedroom set? I'm like, Wow, that looks great. Wouldn't it be nice to have that. Keep looking. And there's this whole section of gadgets and watches and phones and the new technology. I start looking at that. And there's some guy, come on over here. Let's, let's show you this. I'm like, I don't know, right? Now, and then I know sometimes I got to maybe look over at the jewelry case because all that bling is so attractive. New watches and rings, you never know, right? Woo, before you know it. You can just kind of start justifying and look at how can we afford this. We're spending here, spending there, and next time we know we, we get down in some kind of financial sinkhole. Well, last week, we discovered and looked at some of the emotional, mental sinkholes that we can get in. Because Jesus was talking about beware of these sinkholes that we need to be aware of our secret places. Well, sometimes do you think that we can get into financial sinkholes, that we just get allured and attracted to all these luxuries and all these treasures of the world. And next thing you know, we're in debts, we're in sinkholes. Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. First, I just want to welcome you to Faithbrook. Welcome on Pastor Jim. Thank you for viewing us online. I hope you're having a great summer. I think today's going to be a, a, a beautiful day. Some people are still up at uh, family camp. And did you know up at family camp yesterday, we had Two people uh, be baptized. One was right over here. Sherry Moore, why don't you give a hand up, please? Hey, let's, let's just celebrate her decision. 
It was a beautiful moment with eight other people in the Lake Geneva up there. And uh, it was a, a wonderful day. Well, one of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus is so relevant. Jesus knows what we struggle with. And he mapped out a sermon in, in the, the uh, writer Matthew captured in the Gospel of Matthew in chapters 5, 6, and 7. In this Sermon on the Mount, which we've been entitled Summer on the Mount, uh, he just identifies some of the things that we wrestle with every day and how to live more like Jesus. Now, last week, he, he talked about this secret place, and we discovered that private growth is more important than public appearance. Because it's in the secret place is where we have our thoughts, where we have our, our tensions and our emotions and our spirit. And what he wants to reward, what he's really interested in is not so much the public appearance, but what's going on inside our soul and how we can improve that through pri- uh, prayer and, and um, uh, times of, of quiet time with him. Well, he addresses another issue that's very relevant to us, maybe a little bit touchy, but in verses 17, 16, he says this, 19 and 21, excuse me, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin, which means rust, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is Jesus trying to communicate here? What what did he want those people 2,000 years ago to get? What does he want us to understand today? He wants us to see what he sees. And I would submit to you today that what he wants us to see is that in eternal impact is far more valuable than earthly possessions. An internal impact, something that will last, is more valuable than any earthly possession today. The problem is that these uh, earthly possessions are so attractive, right? I mean, there's so many cool new things that you can do and you can buy. I know fall is coming up pretty soon, and and man, we we got to outfit our kids, and, and we got to make them look good. And have you seen those new fall jackets and some of those nice purses out there? And wow, guys, are you ever attracted to some of those new trucks? I mean, they're nice, right? Then I, I saw a friend the other day, he's driving around in a Tesla. I'm like, oh, i got to get one of those. Those are cool, right? And before we know it, we're just allured in un- all these earthly possessions, spending, spending. It's kind of like the, the husband that says, man, I got to get my wife something. We've been cooped up in all this pandemic and, and staying at home. And so now we can travel I, I, for Christmas. I'm going to buy her a world map and I'm going to put it up there. And he bought her a, a couple of darts and said, honey, we're going to get out of here. So you throw these darts, and wherever they land, that's where we're going on vacation. Turns out, he says, we're going to be spending two weeks behind the refrigerator for our vacation. <laughs> but Jesus knew that our hearts were always attracted to earthly possessions. And, and what he's saying is, let's invest in something. Let's store up something that's going to last a long time. Have you ever noticed that Raw, or rust and moth can destroy earthly possessions. 
So I, I live uh, near a, maybe it's a secret sc um, scrap metal place in Maple Grove. It's kind of in the suburbs. Uh, it's behind these walls. But uh, once in a while, I'll, I'll be driving by or some trucks will be driving by and they're taking this scrap metal to this, to this place. So the other day I'm driving down the road and there's this, this hauler truck and he's got a couple of vehicles on the back of this hauler. I'm looking over at these vehicles, and here's some, of the, some, some SUVs, and they're kind of chained down, kind of smashed in, and all kind of stuff. And, and it dawns on me. I'm looking at the model of this SUV, and I'm like, you know, just maybe 10, 11 years ago, th this vehicle was the bomb. This is the vehicle that was shown in the commercials, and it was out on the new car lot. And it was like, man, if I could just get that. And now it's driving by me, and it's like trash. It's just all bent up, and it's going to the scrapyard to be uh, shredded up and melted down. And just like that, what was so powerful and important and valuable to us, just like overnight, a couple of years, it's rust. It's gone. Jesus gives a little bit more perspective on, on this tension of possessions and wealth and how do we look at that and view that. In fact, in Luke 12, he, he shares this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Oh, teacher, I don't know who you are, but I need your help. Uh, it seems like our family has come into some inheritance, some, some wealth, and I need you to help us divide that up. What's going on there? Now, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times if there's some money at stake in the family, you know, siblings uh, love each other and like each other, all of a sudden when there's money on the line, I've noticed that a lot of times there can be uh, some conflict, right? It doesn't take a lot of wealth. It can just seem to be in small things. But when, when mom or dad or grandparents pass on, all of a sudden, people come out of the dark. It's like, I'd like to have this. I'd like to, what's the will say? Mm -hmm. We get really greedy. Now, first, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? I don't want to get involved, but I have a, the feeling that God's like, mm, Jesus is like, this could be a good teaching moment. Then he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable or this story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, well, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. Sounds like a pretty good idea, probably a business guy. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat and drink and be merry. Oh, I'll say to myself, man, take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, how many of you in here, it's like, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my goal in life, to, to have it easy, to, to, to be comfortable and eat and drink and be merry. That, that sounds fun, right? But this is what Jesus said to that. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Wow, it's a pretty powerful story. It's pretty relevant. So 
what can we learn from this? What are some take-home points from this story in Luke 12? Let me give you four points that we can learn. Number one, to be aware of financial sinkholes. Now, the word beware uh, parallels when Jesus said, watch out and be on your guard. It means to be alert. There's something out there lurking that can suck you in, suck you down to financial sinkhole and pull you away from God's love for you. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I realize that there's advertisers out there that get paid a lot of money to be able to entice us and lure us, to push our buttons so that we pay. We live in a, a capitalist society, and they need us to buy, and, and, and we are buying, and, and we are consuming before we know it, we're justifying how we can consume that. And, and you know, we, they invented the credit card how many years ago. It's like, well, we'll just put it in our credit card. And before we know it, we're, we're enslaved to, to debt. Solomon said in Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is a slave of the lender. In other words, we, we got gotcha, you, right? You bought into this. We're going to the Bahamas on vacation because you bought uh, our, our, our products and now you're the one that, that owes us and you're a slave to us and, and we're the rich people. Before you know it, we can get sucked into these financial sinkholes. Jesus is warning this. Also, be aware of the comparison trap. Wow, it's so easy. Hey, everybody else is drinking and being merry. They're having it easy. We should do that. And look what they have and what we don't. And we need to keep up. And, and that makes us feel like we're not worthy. And we haven't achieved something. So somehow let, let's go buy these possessions so we can keep up and take life easy. Enjoy life. And next time we know we're, we're getting in debt also. We can't afford it. And there's tension. There's conflict. There's not enough money. And Jesus said, be aware. There's a lot of it comes from that comparison, that, that envy, that want in our life. Number, number three, what we can learn from this is to beware of earthly treasures are temporary. Jesus said to this rich man, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You know, you never know when our life will end. Um, I've lived long enough that I realized, man, before there's some people that just die in an accident. Sometimes it's the disease. Sometimes it's um, a heart attack, and they're just gone. It reminds me of what the psalmist wrote 103rd in Psalms 130. It says, as a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And in this place, no one knows it no more. In other words, we're here today, gone tomorrow. We're like a flower, we're like a grass, and we flourish, and everything's gone before you know it. The winter comes, and we are no more. Beware of earthly treasures. They can be ter- very temporary, and you never know. I was uh, reminded of this. I was sitting in a coffee shop one morning, and there was four senior gentlemen that was sitting in the next table next to me, and they're chatting up, and, and I'm kind of listening to them because I need some good sermon material. Uh, but I'm... But I'm listening to them. And, uh, you know, a lot of seniors, they have a hobby of looking through the obituaries 
Uh, I've never really understood that, but maybe when I get there, I might. But they're going through the obituaries, and all of a sudden, one of them says, hey, did you see that so-and-so passed away? Let's, let's call him Hank. And they're like, oh, he did. And you know, two or three of these guys start reminiscing about this Hank guy and what they knew about him. And one guy says, yeah, he was a friend of mine. And, and they say, Did, didn't, didn't he uh, invent something to do something in business? And yeah, and, and uh, he, he did well for himself and had this and that. And, and I hear this guy saying, yeah, we used to go snowmobiling and that guy always had the the newest snowmobile all the time he had great toys and so this they're talking about his legacy right he he's gone he, he's in the paper deceased and they're talking about his his wealth and what he all these possessions and then guys yeah and i remember the day we were sitting at a bar and he was just emoting of his bitter divorce that, that he was going to have to divide his money and was so mad at his, his wife or his ex-wife and his kids are all mad, his family's a disaster, and there he was. And I'm thinking to myself, here's a guy, man, he, he had a lot of wealth, he had a lot of toys, he had a lot of possessions, right? But now he's in the paper and obituary, he's gone. What does he have left? He's got a family and distraught. The most valuable things in life wasn't very valuable to him, and there was damage and hurts. Be aware of earthly treasures. It can be gone. Number four, be aware of being poor towards God. Jesus, last thing he said, whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Mm, begs the question, are we rich towards God or are we more rich towards ourself? See, a lot of times we are so short-sighted we, we just think about ourselves. We're like, man, what could I enjoy? What could I have in my home, in my family for the next couple of years? And so this is what we're going to invest in while Jesus has a long-term thinking. He's like, I'm not thinking this year or even to your retirement. I'm thinking for eternity. What's going to matter in people's lives? And what we give to, is it going to last 10 years, 60 years, or is it going to last six million years. What matters to God is what matters eternally to people. What are we investing now that's going to last in people's lives forever? That's why he wants us to remember that internal impact is far more valuable than any earthly possessions. And he backed this up. But remember that Jesus had it good with his father in heaven. You talk about eat and drink and being merry and taking life easy. May he had all of heaven, angels at his beckoning call. But both of them at some point said, you know, our world is broken. People are far from us. People are hurting each other. There's sadness and tears and sickness. And so he says, you know what? I'm willing to go down there. And he took the step of transforming himself, incarnating himself into a human being and going through what we go through. And there was rejection, there was humiliation, there was pain and torture and ultimately the cross. But he says, I have come, I have done this, I've given myself for you not to perish but have everlasting life. His mind was always on the bigger picture, the long term, the eternal focus. He realized that the evil one has an agenda for us spiritually, emotionally, mentally, financially. The evil one has come to steal, kill, and destroy but I've come. I've come to give you life to the full, even how we deal with our wealth or our resources. 
We see in Luke 15, where it says, you know, you know what really gets heaven fired up and, and partying and rejoicing is when one sinner realizes, man, I'm far from God. I need to repent and ask him to come into my life. It's Luke 15, it says, that's when the angels are jumping around rejoicing because it's going to last for eternity. That's why our church here is built on that vision, that hope that we want to help lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ Jesus. There's one person says, you know what? I'm, I'm without God. I need God. And by faith, God's grace and mercy and love pours into their life and their sins and their ugliness is, is, is emptying out in, a, in purification that a new love, a new personality, a new life is born into them. Their new life. And they can thrive in Christ Jesus. That's why Faithbrook is here. That's why we, we have a model of ministry that, that I would say is, is a suburban quality. Because, see, we want you to be excited that when you bring your friends, maybe they haven't gone to church a long time, maybe they were in a different maybe type of church, or, and when they come to this church, we want them to be impressed and say, man, this is a nice place. When they drive in our campuses, we have the money to enough to cut our grass and have some nice bushes and push the snow off, and it looks nice. And when it comes in, it's not janky, worn out, tired furniture and just kind of scrapped together audiovisual. That, that's not a very attractive them to hear the gospel. And sometimes what I just explained to you, this model, this, this campus takes some funds. It takes a, a level of, of finances to bring it to um, this quality of, of goodness. In fact, a couple of years ago, someone did some analyzing and realized that any given Sunday, it costs our, our church about $50 per person per Sunday to operate. Because when people come, we want to uh, give them a nice place. We want to have some coffee for them. We want to have their kids to have some staffing and some volunteers. And when they come, there's a little bag and a gift that we give them. That'll cost some money. Do you have someone for my teenager? Yes, we do. We're willing to pay for a staff person. Do you have someone for our kids? Yes, we do. Because we want to bless people and give the life-giving teachings of Christ Jesus. And that costs about $50 per person. Some people are like, man, I don't have $50. Some people are like, I don't have $50, but we're going to make it happen. And generous people have helped this church be who they are because they see the eternal impact and what that means. One of my heroes that I learned about is this man right here. His name is John Lasco. Never met the guy. He lived in Michigan because he was the largest tool and die maker in America several years ago. God blessed him so much that at the end of his life, his wealth was over $100 million. And he said to his kids, I'm going to take $100 million. I'm going to put it in a, a trust foundation. And I want to set aside that churches can apply for a grant, and I want to help them build their churches and their sanctuaries. Well, we heard about this John Lasco grant five years ago. Our church was in the balance financially. If we could bring it up to speed and even get it open and have a, a, some level of quality, and frankly, we, we were behind. And somebody introduces to this, this Lasco grant. Who is this guy? Never heard of him. You'll never meet him. You just need to apply. And so we applied, and we understood that 110 churches applied for, for a grant to help us build. The, he liked to just kind of build the sanctuary portion of, of churches. 110 churches applied. Man, we were praying. Help us, Jesus. We need that money. 
and, and we didn't talk to any board members. We just applied, and all of a sudden, we, we, they said, you, you're one of only eight out of 110 that are going to get part of that, that money. And God gave us phenomenal financial gift to this church to get us into this. Why? Because this guy realized that eternal uh, impact was more important than any earthly possessions. Yes, he, he had the ability to have earthly possessions, and I'm sure that he had earthly possessions. But he realized what's going to count is boys and girls and people coming and hearing Christ in church buildings. And there, for millions of years, there's going to be an impact. Well, Jim, what are you trying to say? Are you saying that I just need to give up all my money and possessions? We can't have any fun things. Uh, you know, I've worked hard. I got educated. And, and we do have a little bit of income and, and a little bit of wealth. And, 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 and I'm not sure how, how, what to do with that. You know, God understands that. In fact, uh, God had a, a young pastor named Timothy, and he, he had this church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago when there were some people who had some, had some money. And so he was probably talking to his, his mentor, Apostle Paul, and says, hey, can you help me with this subject of funds and, and treasures and, and wealth? Because people are asking, and, and this is what Apostle Paul wrote to his young Timothy in Second, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Young Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Uh, that is true. You know, what was it just 20 years ago? The stock market crashed. 25% of the stock market crashed. And in one day, billions and billions of people's money fell from their account in one day because the world earthly money can be so unreliable. They, their trust should be in God. Now, don't miss this. This is, this is good, okay? Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment, all right? Here's the deal. God doesn't oppose your enjoyment and my enjoyment. In fact, he says right there, God gives us need for our enjoyment. So you got kids, grandkids, and maybe you'd like to have a vacation or a boat or something like that. Yes, God says, yes, enjoy that. In fact, I, I've given you the talent and uh, education, whatever, to, to bring that up to enjoy life. Uh-huh, that's, that's okay. He's, he's into that, all right? However, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generosity to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. Uh, in other words, always be ready means to have a plan. Uh, most people don't have a plan to be good to God, to be rich to God, than good to others. It's like, oh, honey, do we got any money this week? I oh, No, not really. We're strapped. And but be ready to share with others. By doing this, you will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future. So, what they, so that they may experience a true life. Someone says, we make a living by what we do, but we make a life by what we give. I was reminded of this a couple months ago. I was talking to a friend who uh, lives, lives in the area, and he was sharing this story. 
that he kind of grew up in the area and he was his buddies in high school, kind of the sports guys, and they are hanging around and whatever. And uh, one of them uh, contacted him and said, you know, we haven't seen each other for a long time. We need to get together and just kind of catch up, see what's happening in our life. And so he's like, okay, I'm in, you know, count me in. And, and, and one of the guys says, you know, let's meet at Lake Minnetonka. Meet me at this pier and we'll all meet there and I'll come and pick you guys up on a boat. We'll have, have a boat ride. And he's like, you know, so we all showed up and, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. How's it going? And all of a sudden, this boat showed up, but it wasn't a boat. He said it was a yacht. His buddy from 30 years ago shows up in this yacht. Come on up, guys. Come on. And like, oh, my goodness. Huge yacht. They're, they're trucking around. And, and this time, they're, they're catching up with one guy. Well, you know, I'm, I, I got into banking. Another guy says, well, I'm, I'm a teacher. And one guy says, I'm in insurance. And, and one guy says, I'm a mailman. And, oh, and they're kids. And, and those kinds of things. This guy's rolling around. his a big old yacht. I got into business investments. And, and I've done well for myself. And uh, they had a great time. And, and so this, this business guy reaches out to my friend and said, hey, um, I noticed that, that you said you did a lot with youth work, whatever. And, and I was wondering if we could have coffee. So they got together and uh, my friend explained to this rich guy about his life. He says, you know, in high school, we were just like all the other guys drinking beer, sports, girls, whatever. But as I got married... I got introduced to a, a modern church that loved Jesus, and I went to that church. Actually, it was a sister church of ours, and, um, and I was introduced to Jesus Christ, and I received Jesus Christ and changed my life. And frankly, the things of this world really didn't entice me as much. In fact, this, this gentleman was, was into financial investments himself. But more and more, he started spending time at church. He was just attracted to church, especially the teenagers. And so the pastor says, hey, can you help in our youth group? We need some sponsors. He says, yes, I can do that. And then the pastor's like, hey, could you help us take the kids to camp, take them on a retreat? And, uh, and he says, yes, I can do that. And pretty soon the pastor's like, can you help us in other areas? He says, yeah, I can do that. And, and they got creative, and he helped um, uh, start some nonprofits coming out of that church. And he helped them start some um, creative campuses to reach kids and, and at the same time, this, this gentleman got into youth coaching and loved uh, building into kids. And, you know, coaching doesn't pay much, but it, he loved it. And so that has been most of his life, 30 years. His, his wife's got a job, and he said, I don't have much money to, to show for it, but there's a lot of kids that have been changed. So he's telling this, this rich business guy about this, and this business guy says to him, quote, you know, I've never done anything like that in my life. In fact, I really haven't helped anybody in my life like that. And, and I would just encourage you, you know, who was the richer person? The, the, the gentleman that, that had the yacht and the wealthy bank account? Or my friend that poured into youth in the kingdom of God? Who had more satisfaction in their life? Who had more peace in their life? In fact, this, this rich guy was so impressed with, with my friend and his heart and his integrity. He said, listen, I just I bought a business in your area, and I need someone to help run it. Would you be interested in working part-time in this business to get it up and going? Because I need a person like you. See, there's a difference. And this money thing can, can be pretty tricky. And, and a lot of times we are, we are scrambling about what does this look like in our everyday life? How, how do I do this? 
What can I do? In Matthew 6, Jesus said this at the end of that, that treasure part. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And here's the most challenging uh, sentence right here. You cannot serve both God and money. Because money is one of the most competitive things for our soul and heart. Let's face it, the things out in the world, man, they are very attractive. They can be very enjoyable. And they can consume us little bit by little bit. Somewhere we have to decide, what is our first love? What's going to be our priority in our life? See, the soul and wealth are very intertwined. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. What's really important to you, that's where your heart's going to be. Who will be your master? Dylan Burroughs said, Righteousness and generosity are inseparable. The person whose heart longs for God also longs to give to others. The person's heart who longs for God also longs to give to others. My friend longed for God. And he let go of, of chasing that money. He says, I'm going to pour into teenagers. And if I can help with public schools and coaching stuff, that's where I'm going to go. That's where his heart was, and that's where his treasures were. You might be thinking, man, Jim, this is really uncomfortable because, you know, I don't have enough money, and the money that I have and made, it's, it's mine, and I've worked hard for that, and here you go. You must be one of those preachers and churches that are looking for money, and, and you want to pad your pockets or be greedy yourself. No, not at all. You know, sometimes what God tells us can make us mad, but what God tells us can ultimately set us free. And God wants you to be free financially and have financial peace and invest in things that were going to last forever. Well, well, Jim, how do I do that? What, what does that look like? Because I got kids to feed and we had some plans and, and I don't know exactly how to manage that. Well, let me, let me just kind of share uh, how Terry and I manage it. Because we're human too, and we live in a consumer world, and we got kids, and things are expensive. Um, so what I'm about to tell you uh, might uh, just seem super crazy to you, okay? And w- what our formula is and what we do, you're going to say, that's, cr- that's just radical. I, that, how do you do that? There's no way to do it. So here's our story. So when we were younger, we just came to faith in Christ and really solidified that Christ was going to be our Lord and Master, we're going to follow him. And that meant even in our pocketbook. In those days, it was checkbooks, right? And so, um, and so before I met Terry somewhere, um, we both uh, decided that, that we were going to give God um, a 10% of what he has given us, whatever that was, right? So when I was on a, a, a prowl for a possible date or eventually a wife, hopefully, I was really looking for someone that was consumed with Jesus like I was. And uh, I, I met one. It was Terry. Man, she was good looking, loved Jesus all put together. I was like, I got to get after her, right? And somehow she liked me and we started courting and dating. Now we're getting really, uh, uh, you know, we're older and we're like, we're looking at this marriage thing. And so we're like, hey, how do you view life and kids and where we want to live? And all kind of something that comes to money. You know, are you like a big spender? Eh, right? And, uh, and she's like, you are. Eh. Uh, but anyway, uh, we came together and it's like, hey, you know, I'm like I'm into Jesus and the, into this tithing thing. It's an Old Testament principle that also is kind of intertwined to new life in Christ. And uh, I, I, I give 10%, whatever God's given me. I don't make much, but I want to give it to Are you into that? And she's like, yes, I'm into that. We're like, that's good. 
All right. So we got together. And so for all of our married life, which has been over 30 years, we give 10% to God because the Bible tells us that whatever we get comes from God. Any good gift comes from God. And so his, his master plan to redeem this broken world is through the local church. All right. And sometimes it costs money. And so he, he calls us to give first fruits, the Bible talks about, first place. And so, so we do that. Can you imagine if everyone who called themselves a Christian, follow Christ, gave 10% to God's work? Can you imagine the incredible impact that would go on our communities and our world? I almost think that the U.S. government wouldn't need to help people if the churches just rose up and said, yes, we're going to take... Can you imagine that? The goodness would be flowing out of people. Well, so here we have, we, we got this 10%, all right? And then we set aside 5% for savings and retirement. Now, I don't know where you live, but around my life, uh, there's always going to be something that's going to break or, or get damaged, and we better have an emergency fund for those emergencies. I don't know. I don't, uh, my car breaks down. My dishwasher breaks down. My water heater breaks down. And, and if we don't have an emergency fund and some savings, uh, then it's always stress. We don't have enough. Get the credit card out and stuff. So we we park about 5%, and then we need some retirement. We don't want to be broke when we're 70, right? So we plug that away. Well, that's 15%, right? Now, I know it gets a little crazier. And then above that, we set aside, have a plan for some, we call them offerings. So um, there's a lot of needs out there. Um, GoFundMe, someone's got cancer, uh, Girl Scouts show up at our doorsteps, uh, someone needs a car. We were up at the family camp this last week, and they're asking for offerings. And so a lot of times we just have to budget and shrink back a little bit to have a little portion. Also, we want to advance the gospel around the world. And so we're part of the Church of the Nazarene, and they have about 530 missionaries are on the front line, and these missionaries have kids and families and stuff, and so we support them, uh, and they don't have to come back and raise money. It just comes through our church, and so we give a portion, one, one and a half percent or whatever, to, through Faith Brook that goes out to these 530 missionaries who are on the front line. And guess what, my friends? You add that all up. That's like... Uh, 18% of our income is gone. But God has taught us to live rich and with peace on 82%. We live rich and with peace on 82%, whatever is remaining there. And you're like, really? How do you do that? Well, to be honest with you, we, we have to live simple and modest. We have a simple and modest home. We have simple and modest vehicles. We have simple and modest vacations. But don't you miss out? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't have the latest and greatest. Sometimes we don't, don't uh, upgrade here and there. And maybe our gadget's a little old here and there. Well, you don't get to travel. Yeah, that's right. We, we, don't, we don't get some of that stuff, right? But what we get and God has given us is a peace and a contentment to enjoy. See, the gospel is a gospel of freedom. And one of the things that entangles us is this web and this allure of possessions and wealth. Before we know it, we are comparing. Before we know it, we're envious. Before we know it, we're like, we got to keep up. No, we can be free. Well, your neighbor has that, and your friends get to do that. We're like, good for them. We're free in Christ. We're like, good for you. Just take us on your boat. Okay. <laughs> um, 
but good for them. We're, we don't need to have that to feel secure because we want to give to something that's going to matter forever and help us. We can be free from debt, that we can sleep at night and say, oh, we don't have this cloud of a major debt. And I know some of us in, in the church, is like, we, we want to live debt-free and just maybe hang on to our mortgage. And, and they work hard to say, next thing we're going to do is save up and we're going to pay that vehicle or pay for that little toy uh, with, with cash only. And there is a financial freedom. There is a financial peace. And at the same time, we are making an internal impact. The satisfaction that in thousands of years, maybe millions of years, we're going to be in heaven and we're going to bump into someone that is in Indonesia. And God's going to make it happen and say, you know what? I was that kid when that missionary came because someone back in Dayton, Minnesota, was willing to help that missionary go to Indonesia. You never knew me. But your money made an eternal impact, and I'm here today because of your giving. Thank you very much. That's what we want to live for. But don't you have a young kid, and doesn't he have things, and the sports, that's all expensive? Yes, yes, he does. Holy cow, right? How do you, how do, you do that, right? Well, we got to work hard. We, sometimes we have a second job. Sometimes there's a side hustle. Sometimes we gotta, can't do that so he can do this, right? It's not that easy, but it, we have done it. And believe it or not, I know it's radical, but we live rich and with peace on 82% of what God gives us because we want 18% to be helping others and saving up for that rainy day. Wow. We have found that God is true. But it comes down to decision. It comes down to who will be the master. Who are we going to love more? Wealth, treasures, or God? An internal impact is far more valuable than any earthly possessions. Would you do me a favor and just kind of uh, close your eyes so we can do a little bit of, of focusing and thinking today? I, I'd like for you to just give yourself a couple of minutes here to evaluate how you view your wealth. Uh, some's like, man, I don't have wealth. I, I, I barely make ends meet. Some have a little bit more means. Do, do you believe that they, God has allowed you and favored you to help have whatever income that you have? Who, who is the master of the income that God has allowed you to have? Is it you or is it God? Have, have you been poor to God and rich to yourself? Do you, do you need God's help when it comes to giving generously to him and his works? Do you care financially what God cares about and make a difference there? Maybe you say, well, I give my time. I give my talent. But I notice a lot of times people's Christianity goes all the way till it hits their bank account. I'm like, whoa, that's mine. Would you have the courage to, to release and let him be the master and the manager of your income? I invite you to stand as we, we close in prayer. Let's stand this morning. Gracious God, we thank you so much that you are rich towards us. You lost a lot when you left heaven. 
because you realized that we were broken and we were in need. And one of the places that we can easily be broken, God, is in our desire for so many alluring possessions and earthly wealth. God, would you help us see the difference? It's not that, God, you, you don't want us to enjoy nice things. Praise God that we can for our enjoyment. But more importantly, would you help us, God, see what's going to matter for eternity? Help us, God, to be rich towards the needy and the things of the kingdom of God. Help us not to get enslaved and entrapped of, of earthly possessions, but give us the, the, the spirit of contentment. Give us the spirit of gratitude of what we do have. Help us to enjoy it. Help us to be thankful. Help us not to be looking over our neighbors or our friends and say, why don't we have that or we should have that, but be thankful for what we have. And God, if you can help us to lay up treasures that's going to touch people's souls, that's going to last for eternity, would you give us the courage? And if there's any stronghold in our life, God, that we're hanging on to the courage to let that go. And for some people, it might be financially. We love you. We need you, God. We're asking all these things in your name. Amen. Well, before you go, I just want to say thank you for attending this morning. Thank you for being online. If you want to know more about our church, you're just kind of new here, we're going to have a discovery class here in about five minutes. And next week, we're going to be hearing the words of Christ on how we can trust God with all things in life. God bless you. You're dismissed.